but this will link you to our, our church page. And on that church app, it'll take you to the church website. It'll link you to online giving. It'll They have the messages you can watch on. It links you to all those things. So on your phone, you can do that. Uh, also, those that uh, don't have Facebook but have YouTube, uh, even on a smart TV, you can have YouTube. Uh, uh, we do have a new YouTube uh, page where our church uh, videos are up, services. You have to type in Christian Fellowship Church, comma, Pastor Scott Jeremy, if you don't feel like looking 20 times in the post. There's a bunch of Christian Fellowship churches. So if you type in all that, it will pull up uh, our logo, and it will be there. Uh, again, the only thing that has live services, which you can actually watch online now, is Facebook. Uh, YouTube, uh, we, we posted to there, uh, usually on Sunday afternoon. Last week, there was an issue. Uh, they want to go up right, and I don't know if that is, it might have been Monday before it went up. Uh, was it? Uh, it was the week before. Or uh, week before. Uh, and it went up at midnight. I've lost the time. Technology does what it wants. When you want it to work, it doesn't. When you don't need it, that's when it works. But uh, so just to let you know, if you want to watch live, you have to do Facebook, but uh, you can go to YouTube and watch it later on in the afternoon. The next last place you can go to is the church website which is www.welcometocfc.com. That's T-O-C-F-C.com. There's online sermons there. You can uh, put prayer requests, uh, all kinds of things, uh, online giving there also. So I just want to remind you of all that. And also for our uh, kids right now, uh, which is ages 6 through 11, New Generation Children's Church, they are having uh, children's church right now. Uh, they were they also filming and posting online. It will they will post their service online tonight at uh, seven. I think it's seven. Yeah, seven o'clock. All I got to do is read the sign in the back at seven o'clock tonight. So uh, if you have children ages uh, six through eleven, uh, we, we have it up there so they're not missing service either. So I just want to say a happy birthday to anyone having a birthday here today. Anyone in here have a birthday between now and next Sunday? Just raise your hand once they have a birthday. Uh, if, you're, if you are online and you're watching online, then you have a birthday between next uh, week. Write down that it's your birthday and we want to tell you happy birthday. I'm looking over there, but I've got family here too. Uh, Nobody may come. <laughs> that, that's another thing. As, as more people come, we moved our, our camera from the balcony to here to improve the online service. So just watch the tripod though uh, if you walk by it, all right? So uh, uh, next thing is the anniversary. Does anyone here have an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Right over there. Happy anniversary. Oh, how many years? 48 years. All right. Happy anniversary. Anyone else? All right. Anyone online just put down that you're having an anniversary? Again, look it over there. I told you you're not seeing this camera. Uh, happy anniversary to you. And what we want to do is we're going to have our talk and offerings right now. and. In this time, phase one, we're not going to have our ushers go around handing out that basket, so that's not uh, the offering pouches. What we're going to do is we're going to have this first side of the church. If you have a tithe or offering in a few minutes, uh, we're going to come up. Make your way this way. We do have uh, prayer cloths left. If you need a prayer cloth, you can pick one up uh, there. But what we're asking you to do to help with the flow is come this way, drop your offering, and Todd's in this basket, then continue walking along down that side aisle, and you can wave for the people on that side of the church as you go. Make your way back to the seat. That way you're not bumping into each other. Try to keep six feet apart. Then once they're done, we'll follow this side of the church if you got a tithe offering to come, stay six feet apart, and go that way around. 
All right, so those of you that are at home watching online, there are ways that you can give. Uh, again, you can go to our church website, welcome to uh, CXC.com and give there. You can actually mail it in through the post office at our post office box 1427, Louisiana, 70373. Again, if, if we're going too fast for you, you can pause the video at a later time and get that uh, thing. Or you can actually drop it off here on the church premises, Monday from 9 to 2 right now. Uh, the, the church numbers at the bottom there. So I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture for our offering this morning. And this is Romans 12, 8. It says this, if, speaking of gifts, if, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to leave, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And 2 Corinthians 8, 2 says this, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So take your offering in your right hand and repeat after me today. Say, as I give in today's offering, I choose to give with a liberal spirit, a liberal heart, and an open hand. I will not shrink back because of fear or greed. I will open my hand and give back to the Lord abundantly and generously. I will not allow a stingy spirit to overtake my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Sister Alyssa is going to come play something uh, softly on the keyboard as we can ask this side of the church if you would. Stand six feet apart, please come around this way and drop off the time and all turns in the basket.
First Chronicles, Father, well, nothing made that we've been reading. First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 27 through 30. It says, Glory and majesty surround him. Power and joy fill his temple. Praise the Lord, all the people of the earth. Praise his glory and might. Praise the Lord's glorious name. Bring an offering and come into his temple. Bow down before the Holy One when he appears. Tremble before him, all the earth. Father, we just come before you right now. Father God, we turn this entire service over to you today. Father God, we ask that your spirit would move in this place and in the homes of those that are watching right now, Father God. We just pray that you overflow this place, Father God. You touch every heart, Father God. We pray that every eye that is watching would be open to the truth of the gospel. Every ear that is listening would be open to the truth of the gospel. Every mind that is receiving would be able to comprehend the truth of the gospel today, Father God. And most of all, every heart be softened to receive your word today, Father God. As we come here to worship you, Father God, for who you are. We just lift our hands in your name and give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, as we raise a hallelujah this morning.
begin to lift your hands and invite the presence of God in this place today. Just ask him to begin to cover you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet today. God, just come and surround us. Captivate us with your presence. Spirit of God, just come and breathe upon us.
like the waves that come in and they are here today to knock you down and to soak you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet they are here to drench you today you need a time of refreshing you have come to be refreshed today the weight of the world is heavy right now on your shoulders but I have come to wash it off of you. You are not meant to carry these weights. You are not meant to carry these burdens. Stand at my shoreline and let my wave come and splash you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and soak you in my presence today. Today is a day of refreshing. If you have come for it, don't leave empty-handed without a touch of my presence today.
glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen, amen, amen. God bless. We want to go ahead and quickly dismiss our uh, children, three, four, and five. Uh, you could take your seats, uh, get your Bibles out this morning. Um, we're running a little bit late this morning. Uh, we had a little few technical issues to get the service started. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can take them out right now. Uh, give you a few seconds. I forgot to mention, uh, we have been posting the notes on... Um, I'm hearing something. Okay. Uh, have been putting the notes on Facebook because uh, we're not really handing out notes in service right now uh, like we do every normal, normal Sunday during regular time. So if you do have Facebook, you could hurry up and... Uh, Get your phones out right now if you want a copy of the notes that we're doing. You can pull it up in your phone right now. I won't accuse you of making a phone call during the middle of service, all right? I know what you're doing. So go to the Facebook page, and you'll see uh, notes for today's service. Uh, it's called Spiritual Warfare. You can uh, go ahead and get those up uh, for, for you that you follow along. I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't, and these would be digital for you. I still like paper. And paper notes. I, I still teach from paper notes and things because I write. I always like writing things, circling things, and highlighting things uh, as I'm studying. And uh, so I just do that for y'all also if you enjoy that way or not. So uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning. Father, I just come to you right now. Father, as we get ready to study your word today, Father God. First, I want to lift up our nation to you right now, Father God, that we be one nation under God, that thy will be done in this nation, Father God, that thy, uh, your purpose be done in this nation, Father. Father, we come against uh, the spirit of unrest and uh, disunity that's coming over this nation. We speak healing over this nation right now. We speak unity over this nation right now, Father God, that the God of peace would bring, bring peace across this nation and across this world, Father. And as we get ready to study your word this morning, Father God, that you would open every blind eye, Father God, to the spiritual truths of your word, that every deaf ear would be open to hear the spiritual truths of your word, that every mind be able to comprehend the spiritual truths of your word this morning, and prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. Glad to see everyone here today. As uh, everyone knows, it's been uh, strange times this year. Uh, and I don't think any of us January 1st had on our calendar, uh, you know, what was going to happen this year. Never, then we had other things scheduled in our calendar, but we didn't have this coronavirus thing that's going on. So those of you that are uh, here today, uh, appreciate y'all being here. Glad to see your faces again, see a, a few new faces again that we hadn't seen in a while. And uh, again... Just glad to have everyone. So let's just quickly get uh, into our message here today. It's definitely going to be at least two parts. I knew I couldn't finish today uh, our, our uh, thing and uh, message. So uh, what I entitled this message was Spiritual Warfare, Exposing the Enemy. And as I was praying about what to uh, speak on this weekend, uh, I kind of... Monday was Memorial Day, and it kind of got me, you know, thinking about Memorial Day, where we uh, remember all those that gave their lives in battle for this country. That's what Memorial Day is. Veterans Day is where we celebrate those that are serving and has served in the past, but Memorial Day 
is a day set aside to remember those who gave their lives in battle. And I was thinking about that and while praying, thinking about how those battles, and I'm kind of going to be referencing World War II and uh, in the Navy uh, today. So Juan was an Army guy. He might not like this, but uh, go Navy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, referencing a few things that, that how spiritual warfare and earthly wars are kind of similar in some ways. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about uh, today. So I just want to begin with this scripture, Matthew 6.10, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to uh, pray, uh, when they ask them how to pray, one of the things he, he was telling them is that we need to pray this, your kingdom come, speaking of his father's kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was telling us we need to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I just want to touch on this word heaven right here for a second. Uh, not going into elaborate detail and to confuse you because when I'm gonna, we're going to be talking about several things. But if you haven't noticed in the Bible, when you read the word heaven, in some places it's a singular word heaven, and in some places it's plural. It says the heavens. Now, you may have never, you know, just reading, you may have never noticed that. But now that I've mentioned it to you, you may start seeing these things. Now, what was, uh, in short, again, real quick, not going into real depth of this. And to say we fully understand this, we don't, okay? Can I tell you something? The second you think you fully understand everything, you're missing it. The Bible tells us that right now we only know in part. And re reality is... For me to think that my finite mind could comprehend everything of an infinite God, you're fooling yourself. You know what? When my air condition breaks at my house, i got to call an air condition repairman because I don't even understand this air condition. But yet I'm going to think I could understand everything of the infinite God with my finite brain. It's not going to happen. So we get general understanding. So this is what I always tell people. You will not understand everything. We study and try and understand as much as we can. But it's okay to admit you don't understand everything. You know, uh, so again, when, when it talks about the heaven or the heavens, there's usually three areas it, re it talks about. The, the first heaven would be known as like the earth and the earth's atmosphere where, where we live, where Satan was cast down. The second heaven would encompass basically like space, out of space and the galaxies and things. And the third heaven usually refers to as the abode of God, where God dwells and lives. Now, we understand the abode of God where he dwells and lives, but God is also omnipresent, meaning he's present everywhere at the same time. You know, we are not omnipresent. Uh, Satan himself is a created being. He's not omnipresent. He could only be in one place at one time. So, you know, all these things, I hope that didn't confuse you, is just to let you know what we're talking about, uh, uh, again, a little later on in Scripture, to help you give a few more understandings why, why you're going to see, sometimes it's going to say heaven, and sometimes it's going to say the heavens. And um, so back to the Scripture, it says, Jesus says to pray that the Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he pray that his Father's will would be done on earth like it is in heaven, if God's will was always done on earth. See, God's will isn't always done on earth. 
it is in heaven. The only time that someone rules against God in heaven, guess what he done? He threw them all out. Satan, Satan's pride rose up. God cast them out of heaven, and one-third of the angels fell with him. Okay, so we understand right now God's will is done in heaven because there are no opposing forces that try and stop God's will. And can I tell you something? Nothing can stop God's will when he wants something done. All right? But here on earth, you deal with other wills. There is your will, your mind, your will, and your emotion. And you also deal with the will of Satan that is trying to get you to do something, to trying to get you to not fulfill God's will on earth. So we understand on earth, God's, God wants his will done. But we also want our will. Satan has his plans and desires. So that's why uh, we're talking about a spiritual battle here on earth. God's, God's wanting his will to be done. God's trying to uh, convey his will through you when your decisions, what you do in life, the choices you make in life, that, that his will be done. Remember Jesus, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he knew it was the Father's will. And Jesus says, Father, not my will be done, but your will. So in other words, Jesus' will on earth was not that he wanted to go suffer on the cross, but he knew he wanted to fulfill the Father's will. So the Father's will was done through him. So we understand there's this battle, spiritual warfare going on on this planet. God's will, your will, and the, uh, Satan's will. So, again, we're going to break this up in uh, two parts. Uh, Nathaniel, if you put up that uh, picture that has battle stations on it. Uh, again, I, I took this image uh, and entitled it Battle Stations. This is an uh, image of World War II uh, that someone painted. And battle stations on a ship in the Navy, when they called battle stations, it meant that an enemy was coming. It was time to get to your station, your gun that you are assigned to or whatever part of the ship that you were in control of. Uh, just to kind of, uh, you know, if anybody in here, who's been on a cruise? Uh, thing, okay, most people. You remember the first day you got on your cruise? They're supposed to do this. Not all of them do it. But the very first thing you do when you get there, they are supposed to must, they call it muster you to your emergency station. In case when you're on the cruise, the ship has something go wrong, that what they'll call out, you know, uh, the emergency sirens will go off. And your group, your floor, or whoever it is, is supposed to meet wherever they're supposed to. The last time we went on a cruise, ours was in the buff near the buffet table. So I was happy. I said, well, we could have an emergency. I, that's not going to be too bad. I'm going to be near the buffet table. So, <laughs> but what they're doing is preparing you for in a crisis to know where to go. So in the Navy, uh, what they would do when they would call battle stations, it was for them to man their guns. Uh, each department had to get in their own uh, thing so they were ready for the battle. And uh, go ahead and put up uh, the first part again. I want you to understand, today we're going to be talking about knowing your enemy, part one, battle stations, knowing your enemy. And what you need to understand about when, in World War II, I don't know how to do it these days, but every gunner that had a weapon that he would fight with was given a books of silhouettes. And the silhouette was uh, like if it was an airplane, they had a, in Pacific War, we're in war against Japan, they had all the different types of airplanes that the Japanese had 
on a silhouette. It was a white piece of paper with a black outline of how that air, enemy's airplane looked. And everyone that was on those guns had to be familiar with what, what those things are. In today's modern uh, warfare, electronically, they could know if it's an enemy plane or uh, one that belongs to the United Nations or United States. But back then, they didn't have that technology. You had to go by eyesight. Do, do you know that in, during Pearl Harbor, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, America shot down several of its own planes because people were in such a panic? that they didn't, didn't know if it was the Japanese or the Americans. The, a few of the plane, American planes that got up were actually shot down by the American sailors in a panic. So we have to be careful in those times to know who our enemy is. Okay? Now, let me just give you a brief picture. When Jesus knew that Peter was not his enemy, okay? Peter was one of his disciples, one of his followers, but yet he told Peter at one time, the enemy was trying to use Peter to keep Christ from doing the Father's will. Where Peter's love, and, and the enemy used the love Peter had for Jesus to... Oh, I'm running out of time already. <laughs> so we're going to end up wherever we're at. But the, the, the enemy used Peter's love to try and keep Jesus from fulfilling the will. Where Jesus was trying to say, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be gone to the cross. And Peter says, No. I'm not going to let that happen. He says, and then uh, even the uh, other part that Peter denied three times knowing Christ. You know, he loved him, but what happened was Peter says, no, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Peter. No. He says, get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter was not possessed by Satan. But Jesus seen that knew where the words from Peter were coming from Peter was a way the enemy was using Peter and his things to attack the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ would say, oh, I don't need to suffer that. And that Christ's will would be accomplished instead of the Father's will. You understand what I'm saying? That you got to know who your enemy is. So again, in World War II, they had to know if it was a, a Japanese plane, but we also had allies that were fighting with us. You don't want to shoot down your friend's plane. So you have to be aware of who is your enemy. They also had uh, silhouettes of ships. That, you know, they'd have the smokestacks and things. And they, everyone on those guns had to familiarize themselves to know that they were shooting at an enemy or if it was a, a friendly. So we have to know who our enemy is. And, and that's what we're kind of talking about here. So, <clears throat> 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. In other words, being self-controlled. A sober mind is a self-controlled. Opposite of so sober is kind of meaning drunk. Uh, a drunk mind is out of control. You're not these things. He says, be uh, alert and of so sober mind. And he says this. Your enemy... Not just God's enemy, but whose enemy? Your enemy and who it is. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now that word devour means to swallow up whole. He doesn't just want to hurt you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to swallow you whole. That his whole purpose is he, he's... Uh, Look at roaming around looking for someone to devour. 
You have an enemy. That, that's what the Word of God's telling us. You need to be aware. Be alert. You have an enemy. You have to watch. And uh, another thing uh, I'll then mention on uh, these ships in World War II, and that actually is all the time, they always have someone or more than one person on watch. That he stands there and he watches and they're out there looking. Today they got all these... Um, radars and things, but they still have people actually standing watch, watching for things. So being alert, knowing that there is an enemy, and you don't know when that enemy is coming or how he's coming. You don't know if he's coming in a submarine. You don't know if he's coming in an airplane. You don't know if he's coming by another ship. But they are all different ways of attack. So he says, be alert, self-controlled. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a, a a, pro, a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So before we get too far, I, I, I don't want you to get panicked in what we're talking about today. I know sometimes fear come over people, but I want you to understand that evil spirits and demons are real. It's not just the, in the Bible and things of the past. Evil spirits and demonic demons, sometimes they call it different ways, are real and are active in this world. But notice he says, be alert and of sober mind. He doesn't say be scared. He doesn't say to live in fear. Because let me share something with you. You say demonic evil spirits, although a third of the angels fell with Satan and chose to be on his side, two-thirds stayed with God. And the Bible says angels are ministering spirits to us that help us through things. So still two-thirds of the angels are still on God's side, which means they're still on your side. Can I tell you this? I don't care if all the angels went against God. They still would not overthrow him. Okay? I don't want you to be scared. And so uh, let's read uh, Mark 16, 17. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, remembering that. We know demonic and evil spirits are real, but God is for you. If you're a child of God, God is for you. And he's looking out for you. All right, so I want you to understand, again, uh, touching on this. I'm going to be a little long tonight, this morning, okay? We've got seven minutes left to where we normally knock off knock off <laughs> in service and uh we're gonna go a little bit longer because i need to get this done and i don't want to rush so if you have to leave you had plans uh, we won't we won't shine the camera on you too long as you walk out all right <laughs> but i just want to share this i want you to understand that not everything that goes on is an evil spirit or a demon Okay, I, I don't want people, you know, sometimes you hear these things and people get off, off on one side that everything's an evil spirit, everything's a demon. You know, uh, anything, they want to cast out a spirit of everything. But can I tell you something? If you have a headache and ibuprofen cures it, it wasn't a demon. Okay? Ibuprofen doesn't cast out demons. Ibuprofen doesn't do anything to demons. Okay? Some, some people have that belief. Oh, every, everything's a demonic. It's a spirit and all this. Well, Jesus didn't walk around throwing ibuprofen at, at evil spirits because it wouldn't work. 
all right? So not everything's an evil spirit, all right? But they do exist. They are there around. It's clear in God's Word. Jesus taught about it many a times, okay? And this is what I want you to understand. The word disciple means to... There, there's several words that come out of that, that disciple comes out of. One is discipline. A disciple, part of it comes out of that word discipline. And can I tell you something? God wants us to be disciplined. And you cannot cast out the flesh. You hear me? You cannot cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Okay? Sometimes when when people acting up in certain ways, it's their flesh. It's not demonically influenced. It's their flesh. You cannot... Cast out the flesh. We, I wish we could. But then on the other hand, you'll never be able to disciple a demon, a demonic spirit. Okay, so we understand those things. But again, I, I don't want you to be uh, scared in any way. It, where, again, with Romans 8.31 where it says, What shall we say then if God is for us? Who can be against us? But what I, was, I also mentioned again is that we need to understand we need to be God's. Children of God, uh, God's children. James four four says this. It's not on your notes. I added this this morning. James four four. I think I did. There we go. He says, "You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, and enmity means hatred against God." Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes a what? An enemy of God. So I have to understand, if I want to claim this promise, if God's, you know, if God's for you, who can be against you? I have to understand that I have to work in that relationship and I have to be accepting God. God wants us and God wants a relationship with each and every human being that was ever born. But we also have to choose him. He chose us, but we have to choose him. So again, not, not for people not to be scared of these things, uh, uh, Mark 16, 17 says this, and these signs, will, Jesus speaking, he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. And note, this is key. In my name, in Jesus' name, they will do what? Drive out demons. Okay? So you don't, if you're a child of God, it's not that you walk in fear, but you be alert and know what's going around. Don't open a door for demonic activity in your life. This is where it's, uh, we need to be very careful. It's not something to play around with. Uh, let me just share uh, another thing. Uh, I don't have notes, but it says, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, reading about them. They were seven sons of a Jewish priest, high priest, all right? And they heard that some of Jesus' disciples were going out, casting out demons out of, out of people. And they decided, hey, that looks like fun. Why don't we go try that? You see, they weren't believers in Christ. They just, they just thought it was a toy. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. Demonic activity is nothing to mess around with in life. And it says, these seven sons went up to this demon-possessed man. And they tried to cast the spirit out. And the spirit tells them, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. But who 
are y'all? And this one man jumped on the seven brothers, beat them so bad it says that they left naked, bleeding and naked. You see, we don't mess with demonic, any types of spirits in our own. It says we def- that Jesus says in his name they would be cast out. So you need to be a child of God. Again, I'm running out of time. Let, let's move on quickly. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? The devil's schemes. We have to be ready to take our stand against... What is a scheme? It's a plan. It's, it's a way to deceive you into having a, to, to falling into a desire that the schemer wants you to. The schemer has an end result for what he wants. Uh, Everybody knows online, you got to be so careful. You get email scams all the time. They want, they, their plan is to scheme you into giving you maybe their banking information or that they could steal your information in some kind of way. A scheme has, has a bad result for you, right? When you've been schemed, when you've been scammed, you're not happy after. Life changed and not for the good in your life. You've been scammed. So he says, get, get, watch out. For the devil's schemes. And verse 12 says this. For our struggles, believers, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Not against other people. Okay, uh, again, will other people hurt you? Yes. Will other people irritate you? Yes. Will other people offend you? Yes. But can I tell you a back to Peter story? Jesus knew where the attack was coming from. The enemy tried to use Peter to attack him. And so we need to realize that it doesn't matter. Whatever they're doing, uh, someone's doing to me, I need to know it's a spiritual battle going on, that the enemy wants his will on this earth instead of the Father's will. And then it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, listen to this, rulers, against authorities, and against powers of this dark world, and against uh, the spiritual forces of evil in the what? Heavenly realms. This is plural. Notice, heavenly realms. And that word heavenly, those two words, heavenly realms, actually translates above the sky, beyond the sky. And and we'll we'll hit back on that in in a few minutes that I want to share with you. So notice what it says, that our war is not against people here but it's against powers and authorities so we need to know who our enemy is and (coughs) excuse me your enemy quickly we're going to go through this your enemy uh is this and if you have your have a paper or download it your enemy is the thief you need to know your enemy satan is the thief if you put it up there nathaniel would be on that battle stations your enemy is the thief all right And, and i put the thief instead of a thief. There's lots of thieves, but he is the original thief. He is the original thief. Just as the word says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's because he is the only way. It's not, not a way. He is the way. All right? So 
the Bible says about uh, Satan that he's the father of all lies. He is the father of thief. He's a thief, all this. So it says this in John 10, 10. The thief comes only. Now let's stop here for a second. The thief. When Think of a thief. What does a thief do in your life? He removes. He removes from what you have. You have something and he removes it. In other words, he brings lack into your life. He removes things from your life. He takes things that, got, that should be yours that, that he takes for himself. So the enemy comes to steal. And there's other things only to steal to kill and destroy. Now Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, having it to the full means abundance. Notice the enemy comes for you to be in lacks. Jesus came for you to be in abundance, to live in abundance. And I'm not talking just uh, monetarily here on earth, but that you can have a peaceful, stress-free life, that you, you can walk in faith. And uh, I mentioned this last week, where Jesus says that I have come that you may have life to the full. Do you know, think quickly how Jesus bookended his, his ministry within miracles. What was his first miracle? The wine at the uh, marriage at Cana, where he gave an overflow of wine, abundance. What was his last miracle before he left? He found his disciples fishing and he gave the overflow of nets. Think how he bookended his miracles in abundance. That I have come that you may have life to the full. But the enemy, your enemy, is a thief, and he's coming to take away from you. So what are, what are some of the things he does? He steals. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your kids. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your, your peace. He wants to steal your finances. He even wants to steal the word of God from you. How he does that? Remember Adam and Eve? Surely God won't do this, surely. And God says, don't eat from it or you will die. He stole that from them that they didn't believe that no more. And what did it do? It brought death. It brought, it, it, it removed everything in their life. The next thing it says, he comes to kill. How does he kill? He kills with diseases. He kills through accidents. He kills through stress, everything. Do you know one of the, Worst things in your life is stress on your physical body. It'll tear your body apart. And he wants you as stressed out as he can make you. He, he comes, he wants to kill you. He wants to bring death. Right? What was the reason he wanted Adam and Eve to eat from the tree? To bring death on humankind. And what did it do? It brought death and it brought diseases on their body. Diseases and things that we still live through until Christ comes back. And our bodies are changed. If, if he doesn't come back before we get to a certain age, we will also make it to the grave. Because this body will not go into heaven. This body is still subject to disease. And again, I, I, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> Maybe I might. <laughs> Sometimes people talk about, oh, I'll walk in divine health. Yeah, until you get sick. I have yet to find a dead person that was still in divine health. 
right? You know, any, any people that died and they said, huh, they were in perfect health? No, something happens. Some, something eventually happens and something eventually catches up with you called age. And we will go, every single one of us. Amen. So let, let's, let's go on from this. Uh, also, he, he comes to destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy. Notice when it says he only comes for this. He doesn't come to be your partner. Right? But how many, I don't want to get into this, but we will. Uh, how many you know, even growing up young, all the things of death is glorified? Right? What, isn't it cool to get a tattoo of a skull representing death? You remember, again, I grew up in the 80s with the metal bands and everything was, you know, Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off a bat. You, you had that, all those demonic things, and it's glorified. Right? Even Halloween. Oh, let's dress, I'm going to dress my child as a demonic spirit. Isn't that cute? A little demon, a little diab. But then the next day, if they're acting like a demon or a diab, you start complaining. But yet it's cool and glorified in things. He comes to destroy your earthly and eternal future. He comes to destroy your earthly and eternal future. Think about with Christ. Christ's earthly purpose was to die on the cross. What did he tell? What did he try to do through Peter? Say, oh no, that ain't gonna happen. You don't need to go there. And if his earthly purpose would have wouldn't have been fulfilled, our eternal purpose wouldn't be fulfilled. See, he came to steal and destroy all that. But Jesus was able to stand up to everything that he threw his way. He was ready for battle. So quickly, let's go to the uh, next point two. Exposing or knowing our enemy. Your enemy is the tempter. Your enemy is the tempter. He tempts you. Matthew 4, 1 th through 3. Now, understanding the Bible says is God does not tempt. God does not tempt you in any way. But it says this here, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit. This is, he was uh, baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And this is where I want to, uh, I think it's important that we understand that Jesus was never led to be tempted until the Holy Spirit came upon him. It says lighted upon him, meaning to help him and give him strength to go through this world. And we need the Spirit of God in our life, the Holy Spirit working through us to help guide us through this world so we can overcome temptation. Okay, it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, not a Spirit of God leading him there. Okay, God was allowing Jesus to be tempted. Why? So he could overcome temptation for us. It says that he was tempted by who? The devil. He wasn't tempted by God. Don't, don't ever say God is tempting you because God does not tempt. It is your own selfish, carnal desires that tempt you, and the enemy comes to, to tempt you. Then it says this, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And then it says, the who came? The tempter. Your enemy is a tempter. 
he came and said, if you are, and uh, this always sticks out to me, as you read every time Satan tried to tempt him, he always said first, if you are the Son of God. Why do you think he said that? Because Jesus was getting ready to start proclaiming to everyone, I am the Son of God. So he, Satan's already telling him, how about you show me? If you are, in other words, he's wanting Jesus' pride to rise up inside of him. And say, oh yeah? He, want, he was trying to, he was poking at Jesus, trying to get a response that he wanted Jesus to do. He says, if you are the Son of God, uh, tell these stones to become bread. To, again, what did the Father have him doing? Fasting in the, in the desert. Make yourself something. And listen, 40 days, this is what you need to say. Oh, well, he was the son of God. That was nothing for him. It says he was hungry. Listen, I didn't eat breakfast. I'm hungry right now. And I don't want to talk about too much food for you. You're going to start walking out. But, but we know he, Jesus, although he was the son of God, he suffered just as much as we do. He was still an earthly human being that when he went to the cross, when he was beaten, he felt it just like you would have. Let me just put something I added in 1 John 2, 15 through 16. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And then verse 16 says, For everything in the world. Now this, this is the way Satan attacks everybody. Okay? The lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes from, uh, not from the Father, but from the world. Our carnal desires, and let, let me say it this way, is that Satan comes and he appeals to the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What he does is he uses our carnal desires and designs temptations tailor-made for you. If you noticed, everything he tempted Jesus with was about what Jesus was going to fulfill. He was trying to give him another way to do these things. And, and Jesus always spoke with the word. He says, but it is written. But it is written. When Adam and Eve, now notice, all, all, all temptation is wrapped up in these three things. Notice in the garden, it was, the tree was pleasing to the eye. Lust of the eyes, good for food, lust of the flesh, to feed the body, and pride of life, you will be like God. All temptations wrap up in these three things. This is his basic battle plan against you, but he strategically attacks you in your weakest areas. Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days, so what he went with? Food first. The enemy knows your weakest area. He's not going to attempt uh, uh, tempt you in an area you're strong in. I, I want to show this picture of a P-51 Mustang and from World War II that changed, uh, changed America's stance and really changed the tide of World War II. It, it, it was a more advanced uh, airplane. They didn't have it at the beginning of the, of the uh, war. But there was one flaw with this plane. You know what it is? 
You see this right here? You know what that is? When they designed it, they put an air intake and radiator at the bottom of the plane. Guess where most of their shots are coming from? The bottom. So the radiators would get hit. Guess what happens to the engine? Overheats. That was the one weak spot of that plane. So guess what all the enemy began telling their things? You got to aim for the belly of it. That's the only way you're going to stop it. Attack its weakest spot. And so Satan's going to come in the same thing. He's a master strategist. And he's going to attack you in your very weakest spot that he, that, that's in your life. Does that make sense? Quickly, we'll go to point number three. You need to know that your enemy is the accuser. Your enemy is the accuser. Because God is a just God. God is a just God. Justice. The ju that's why we get the justice system. The reason Christ went to the cross is because God is a just God. And he had to have his son pay for our sins. So justice would be served. He is a just God. But Satan's not happy with just having you sin. He's the biggest tattletale there is. He not only wants you to sin, but he can't wait to run or however he travels. Might take an Uber. I don't know. But he goes and he, he tells God every time you sin. Now the best part is that if you're a Christian, Jesus says, I already paid for that. That's taken care of. But let me show you in scripture here a few things. That, how he's not satisfied with seeing you sin. He has to tell God. Job Chapter 1, verse 6 through 8 says this. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. Now notice this. The angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And guess who was with them? Satan. Satan also came with them. Satan's a fallen angel. The Lord said to Satan. Now again, let me stop here for a second. This is where I talked about the levels of heaven. I don't believe Satan himself is allowed in the abode of God, his holy of holies, where he is. So the, I believe this took place. And, and again, I could be wrong. I'm not saying definitely. But from what I'm reading and understand, that I believe this probably happened in the second heaven, in the, wherever they meet. Again, we don't understand all these things. But Satan was allowed to be there. Okay? So I don't think God still allows Satan in the, in the place he was kicked out of. Satan was there, and notice what God, God asked him. God knew what he was up to, but he says this, what are you up to? Satan answered the Lord, uh, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Why do you think he's roaming? What was that scripture earlier? Your enemy, be alert, your enemy, the devil, roams looking for someone he can destroy. Now again, realizing Satan is not omnipresent. He can only be at one place at one time. Okay? He is a created being, but there are all the demonic and evil spirits that work 
in things. So, you know, don't, people are always oh, the devil, is the devil. It could be evil spirits that all work in, in conjunction with him. But he says this, uh, from the earth going back and forth, then the Lord said to him, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. In other words, you know, Job's not going to turn his back on me. You, you want someone to try and destroy him, but you can't even destroy him. He knew what Satan was doing, going back and forth. Now, let, let's look in Revelations real quick. Again, he's our accuser. Revelations 12, 10, and 11 says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power. Circle that word. If you've got a paper or think, remember that word. The power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah, who was Jesus, who came to save the world, the anointed one for Christ. He says, now notice this, for the who? The accuser, your enemy, the accuser of the who? Brothers and sisters. And notice what it says, who accuses them before our God day and night. But can I tell you something? Jesus is there day and night. That's under my blood. It's covered. Then it goes on to say, accuses them before God day and night. Uh, he says he has been hurled down. They triumph over him by how? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of Jesus Christ that died on the cross. That's how you overcome. That's how we overcome the enemy. About being a child of God. So as, again, I could have went through many more things about uh, uh, the different things it says about Satan, but we, we know who our enemy is. And next week we're going to pick up on, on, on that part two of battle stations is knowing that your weapons are powerful. And I'm just going to close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 10.4. The weapons we fight with, notice what it says, are not weapons of this world. So me giving you a piece of my mind, me chewing you out, is not going to do anything except stir the pot. It's like going up to a hornet's nest and hitting it. Nothing good's coming out of that. You hear me? If there's a hornet's nest, nothing's good coming out of you going to tap it. So understand the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. He says, on the contrary, they have what kind of power? Divine power. The power of God to demolish strongholds. And next week, we're going to pick up here and begin talking about some of those weapons we have that we are to use to fight with. We need to quit fighting in our own might and in our own will. We have to quit, I said that last week, when we were talking about having the mind of Christ, we need to quit giving people a piece of our mind because we don't have enough to give. Right? We need to learn to battle know who our enemy is, and know how to fight him. And God has given us uh, weapons of divine power to fight against him. So let's stand to our feet right now as we close this morning. Again, thank you all for being here. I know we went a little bit late, but that doesn't matter. Amen. God's always on time. Amen. Father, we just come to you right now. And I lift up each and every person watching here today and every person that is here today. Father, I just pray, Father God, that you encamp your angels around them as they go out in the community today and throughout this week, Father God, 
to protect them, but also, Father God, I pray that you remind each and every one of us as when we walk out of here that we are to be a light unto this world, Father God, that we are to be the example to be set before non-believers, Father God, that they would see your good works and glorify you, Father. We thank you for that right now. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. If you want a copy of this uh, message, they're going to be making some CDs in the back. You're more than welcome to grab one.